Good to see you today. Welcome to, to each of you. We're glad that you are here today and glad to share this time of, uh, of fellowship and worship with you. Uh, we welcome our guests today. We're glad that you're here with us and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. Let me remind everyone of the attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask, if you would, to take those and fill them out so we could have a record of your attendance with us and give us any information you feel comfortable giving to us. It, we don't sell it. It's here, it stays here in, the, in our congregation. So uh, uh, it's just for, for our, our benefit there. But if you would do that, we would certainly appreciate it. Also, go ahead and check, uh, get your phone and check in uh, here at Community Baptist Church. We'd uh, let everybody know you're here. And uh, just have a couple of announcements that I would like to that I'd like to make. Let's see, where's Mary? Mary, where, where's Mary? Mary, come up here and make an announcement about our uh, our Harvest Fest. Our we have a Harvest Fest every year on uh, Halloween night. And uh, in case you haven't noticed, that's Wednesday, folks. It is coming up very quickly. So come tell us what we need to be need to know about that. It's Harvest Fest. Come on. Okay, let's see. We There is a sheet here that was on the board, but this is what we'd like to do. Harvest Pet Fest, we have chili coming for 300. If you're new and you've never been to a Harvest Fest, this is a chance for our family, our church family, to minister and make new friends because we have about 300 folks come into our Harvest Fest. Tonight, or right after church today, if you can stay, we'd like to have the chairs picked up and we'd like to have the tables and chairs set up. Um, and we'd also like to have everything brought down to decorate. If you've never seen Harvest Fest, when you walk in, it looks totally different. So we, un- um, not unfortunately, the challenge is everything is in that room and there's stairs. So if we could get a group to hold a blanket and we'll throw everything down and then we'll decorate tonight. So right after church, we'd like to have the chairs picked up, have the tables for the chili and hot dogs set out. Tonight at 5, if you also didn't know, we have a youth program now, and it starts at 5 o'clock tonight. We have a Bible study, which we will not be doing tonight. Sorry, God, but Harvest Fest is its a Bible. We're ministering. So at 5 o'clock, we'll start decorating tonight and turning this place into the Harvest Fest it is. And then we'll be having um, vegetable soup and hot dogs and bratwurst right after we get everything decorated. So right after church, if you can stay and help. And then tonight at 5. We really don't want to come in Tuesday night and finish because so many of us have everything to do on Tuesday. Lana Hobgood is in charge of the... um, the food, she gave me a note. She's in the nursery this morning. We still need monetary donations. Um, here's the sheet for the servers and cleanup. I'm going to put it back on that back bulletin board. We need cupcakes for the cakewalk. Not big cakes, just little cupcakes for the cakewalk. And then we also need cookies. Sorry. Because we do chili, hot dog, and cookies for dessert. So uh, thank you, CBC Church family. And I know everybody will kind of come together. Kim, where are you? Kim needs how many games you have? We have a whole lot of games for the kids. We'll need people to work those games. Uh, that's a good place for youth to be to work games. And we'll talk about that tonight at 5. All right. Thank you, Dr. Tim. Okay, thank you. Uh, we're gearing up for another another fun evening uh, on Wednesday. Speaking of fun, um, we're going to embark on a new adventure this this afternoon. Um, I don't know if you've heard about this or not, but pickleball is all the rage. It is just taking off all across the United States. They have these huge tournaments. People travel for thousands of miles to do these these tournaments, and it it is coming. It has come to Henderson. I, I understand there's a league going on out at the Y, and we're going to be jumping on that bandwagon. We bought some equipment, and we're going to start this afternoon, right? Right, Mark? At 4 o'clock, 4 o'clock this afternoon, and, and I think there's a little video we want to see. You may wonder, what is pickleball? Works. Working really hard is what successful people do, and in this text, 
Martin Sanders, Andy Biederman, assistant tennis pro. Remember, just because you're doing a lot more doesn't mean you're getting a lot more done. Remember that. Just because you're doing a lot more doesn't mean you're getting a lot more done. All right. That's pickleball. It, the best I can describe is it's some something or a kind of a cross between tennis and ping pong. So uh, so come and uh, find out. I've, I've I've never played pickleball, so this will be an adventure for me. So come and find out this afternoon at four o'clock here at the church. And one other thing before we we move on, and this is a kind of an extended announcement. It's not really an announcement. It's a it's a report. Uh, one of the one of our um, Partners and missions, of course, and has been for a long time, is Habitat for Humanity, and that's something that uh, that I've been in love with since I first heard about it, probably 35 years ago, uh, when I saw Jimmy and and uh, Rosalind Carter make a presentation at a at a uh, conference that I was at, and I've been involved with with Habitat, and of course, uh, Brittany Smith is the executive director, a member here at our church, and uh, Larry. McDowell is the contractor uh, for the building the Habitat houses, and so they want to tell us a little bit about what's going on with Habitat and how this ministry affects uh, families in this community in such a tremendous way. So, come share with us. Good morning. I'm going to mainly let Larry do most of the speaking today. I'm feeling a bit under the weather. Um, But there is a, I know that's a treat for everybody here. Uh, There is a little video that we're going to watch at the end, and it's really going to explain uh, what a home means to our homeowners. Uh, We really appreciate all the work that you guys helped us do last year on Pass the Toolbox. And we've got everything over here again to do prayer cards, to put your name on if you want to be a volunteer, or to drop your money and your change in. And that will be up for um, the next month. So I'm going to let Larry talk a little bit about volunteers, and then we're going to watch a video. You know, it's wonderful I get to do this once a year. But what's more wonderful is i got the greatest job in the world. Forty years I've been a contractor, and what guy could have more of an experience than when he can get and retire and get to go to do this job and help other people? And that's the greatest thing I could have done. And I thank my wife for pushing me into it. <laughs> This is a first, though, guys. I get to talk more than her, okay? That's never happened before, so take pride in it, okay? I will say this. Brittany here more to speak about the money part of Habitat, which is a very important part, and that's why we got past the toolbox here. I'm here for the other side of that, and that's the volunteering and helping to build. Uh, one's just as important as the other, okay? We can have all the money in the world, but if we don't have people that's going to help build these houses, uh, it's a failed project. Uh, I will say this. I, I want to ask, by hand, has anybody volunteered for Habitat? And I know Christine and John's not here. Jika and Bob's here. They're still very much uh, involved in it. Uh, and it's part of it that I want to explain to you. Uh, everybody gets the idea when they hear Habitat and volunteer and they think they're going to come out and swing a hammer. And that is an important part. And we do have a lot of that. But there's also other parts of Habitat and volunteering that a lot of people don't understand. But uh, we have a lot of great volunteer groups that come out. And and uh, when I'm sitting here, Keith Berry, the Sheriff's Department this year, volunteered to do a house with us. And uh, we've had other groups coming out. And my concern with that is I feel like if they come out a day and volunteer, I need to feed them. And with that in mind, a lot of people don't want to go out and swing a hammer. And I appreciate that. But I also have to tell you, these people need to be fed. And if someone wants to step up and help volunteer to fix them a meal... It's just as important as swinging that hammer. And I'm out here to ask for volunteers for all sorts. If you can swing a hammer, I'll take you too, okay? But 
there's a lot of things that's just as important, but habitat is among a lot of things, not just swinging a hammer. This group of vigilantes behind me, okay? There's only about six. Normally I have 12 to 15 on job site per day. We work Tuesdays and Thursdays from 8 o'clock till 12 o'clock. That's eight hours a week we put in building these houses. Now, I don't know if you all have been around Washington Street, 5th Street. We're on Atkinson now. And see how fast these guys can put up a house, okay? But you're all worried. I don't have no experience in construction. Let me tell you what these guys are. What you see up there is an assembly line person, okay? You all see a government uh, bridge inspector up there. We have one carpenter up there, not counting me. I have a robotic engineer. I have a pharmacist. I have a loss prevention supervisor from Vectran. And least of all, i got a professor in economics from out on the hill. Now, as you all know, these people don't know any more about hammering and about carpentry than you do. But they still come, and I think everyone enjoys the things they learn. And believe me, I went to college to be an industrial arts teacher. I didn't finish. I found out behind the desk wasn't for me. But I do still like to teach. And if people comes and wants to have a knowledge of something in the industry of carpentry, I'm more than well to give them my expertise, I would say. And I invite you all that if you have a chance and want to volunteer, and I thank Keith or Trivet, I think we have a good time, don't we, Keith? We really do. And I want to thank Keith because Keith stepped up. Keith uh, has retired from the sheriff's department, and he's now he does a lot of tractor seating, and he has done our last two yards. My guys love that. You don't know what it's like going out there, tilling up, raking, and getting these yards ready to seed. He walks in with a tractor, and we walk off after we straw it, okay? So it's it's a great thing that he does, and Keith, we do appreciate it, okay, with, along with a lot of other people. But before I let you go, I always like to give a little speech about things I think we should think about when we do it. Giving. I gave this little speech at the last dedication we did on Warchin Street here about four or five weeks ago. And it's this. Remember this. God won't ask what kind of car you drove. But he'll ask how many people you helped get where they needed to go. God won't ask the square footage of your house. But he'll ask how many people you welcomed into your home. God won't ask about the clothes you had in your closet, but he'll ask how many you helped clothe. God won't ask how many friends you had, but he'll ask how many people to whom you were a friend. God won't ask about the color of your skin, but he'll ask about the content of your character. God won't ask why it took you so long to seek salvation, but he'll lovingly take you to the mansion in heaven and not to the gates of hell. God won't ask how many people you read this to, but he'll ask quiet you were ashamed to pass it on to your friends. I thank you very much. This is amazing All of the joy and love I see All of the faces Filled with the all-fulfilled dreams It's not just concrete That upholds a sturdy masterpiece not a secret It's built on love of humanity I see a little house over there In the corner where I live Where all of my dreams will come true Fingers of a million hands Put me right where I stand Oh, how I'm thankful to you for your love, habitat for humanity.
habitat for humanity I could be homeless Or stuck in the cold of poverty But I made three wishes And I worked my faith through loyalty And here in this Why people do good deeds It's not a secret It's just cause they love humanity oh, I see a little house over there In the corner where I live Where all of my dreams will come true For humanity Let us pray together. Oh God, so many, so many days we are like the blind beggar sitting by the side of the road hoping to hear the sound of your coming. We are like the Canaanite woman begging for the crumbs that fall from your table. We are like the woman who was sick for so many years who reached out to touch the hem of your garment. Sometimes, oh God, we are desperate for you. And so we pray today, have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us when we cannot see how we will ever make it. Have mercy upon us when we are sick and cannot get well. Have mercy upon us when life hardens our hearts so much that it, it makes it difficult for us to love and to heal and to forgive. 
Have mercy upon us when our grief is like a chain weighing us down and we find ourselves merely slogging through each day. Have mercy upon us, O God, when our passions become so strong that we are unable to look upon those with passions different from ours with compassion. Have mercy upon us, O God, when our words become vitriolic, filled with hatred and venom, and the only natural outcome is violence, as we have seen this week. Show us, O God, those places in our own lives when we have been guilty of this sin, and call us to repentance. You heard the cry of the blind beggar, O Lord when others would have silenced him. They tried to keep him in his place, but you bid him to come to you and that he might be healed. Teach us to be more attentive to the voices that others ignore so that we too might respond through the power of your Spirit to heal the afflicted and to welcome the abandoned for the sake of your gospel. We come today, O God, confident that your promise to always be with us is true. We are confident that you are greater than any trial we will ever face. And we are confident that we are secure in the palm of your hands. And so we come to you today like blind Bartimaeus, knowing that you love us and that you have not forgotten our needs. Have mercy upon us, O God, and grant us your peace. Amen.
If we could have our children come down for children's time, please. Looks like the chair up front's on the Baptist too, on the very back of the <laughs> section here. <laughs> Don't want to be that far back. <laughs> Good morning. How are you all today? How about being happy? Let's say it again. How are y'all today? Good. You're happy. Good. Good. Everybody seems half asleep, kind of like I am this morning. Today, Brother Tim's going to be talking about, and he's already mentioned this a couple of times, about a blind man that was begging on the side of a road. And a crowd had gathered because Jesus was in the area. And the man tried to get Jesus' attention by calling out. And you know what the people said to him? Hush. Have you all ever been told to be quiet? I have. (laughs) Quite often. (laughs) So, but the man was persistent. He kept calling out to Jesus, hurting. And because the man had faith, Jesus restored his eyesight. Now, I want everybody, the kids and the big kids all right now, I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to imagine what it would be like to be blind. Now, Felicia's going to give up and start singing. And the words come up on the screen. Can we see the screen? No. What would we have to do? We would have to listen, and our our world would be totally different. Now, open your eyes. Do you know any other anybody that is blind? You do. Okay. You don't know him, but you you know someone. I mean, kind of know somebody. Do you know other people with handicaps, like people that use crutches or wheelchairs, or maybe they have trouble learning at school? Okay. Sometimes people's handicaps are obvious, but all of us probably have some type of limitation that holds us back. And I think the lesson today, there's a lot of things we can learn from the scripture. But sometimes, even though we can see, we have our eyes open and we can see, we still might be blind to other people, their needs. And just like that person called out to Jesus, people kind of call out to us. And sometimes we miss the obvious. Like maybe they need help and we think, oh, they can do it on their own. I want to tell a little story and then we'll, we'll say a prayer. I was a social worker, so my job was to help people. And I dealt with people with all different types of limitations. But there was one that missed a whole lot of us that worked with this family. And I had a doctor come to me. I worked in a hospital. A doctor came to me very furious with this family, a man and his wife. And he says, I'm done with them. They won't take their medicine as they're prescribed. They won't keep their appointments. They don't do anything I say. They can just find themselves another doctor. And I thought, well, gosh, this must be just somebody really cantankerous. So I went to the room, and there laid a little lady who was very ill. She had had a stroke, and her big, burly husband, and that could have scared you. He would have been a good Halloween character. He was just big and burly and kind of gruff. And um, so we got to talking, and I told him what I needed. I wanted to help him with their finances. And I told him what I needed. So the next day, he was watching for me coming down the hallway, and he watching for me to come in the room. He said, here. And he gave me her purse. I said, sir, I don't feel comfortable getting in your wife's purse. He said, here, I told you to take it. And I said, sir, I really don't want to get in your wife's purse. He said, those papers, are in there. So I said, well, I'll open it up here and you get the papers out for me. And he says, no, you do it. And I thought, why is he being so, he, you know, I felt really uncomfortable because I don't like getting other people's belongings. Finally, he told me, he said, I can't get them out. And I looked at him, he says, I don't know which one it is. You know what was wrong? He couldn't read. And the reason why they were having so much trouble is we all assume today everybody can read and everybody can write. But there's people that hide the things that they're not good at. And he had never learned to read. So when I went back to the doctor and told him, the doctor got very red-faced, almost crawled under the table and said, I had no idea. And I didn't either. But because I had to ask him to bring something to me, he told me. So sometimes people may ask for our help or sometimes they may refuse our help, but 
it's right there in front of us. Uh, sometimes we have to kind of read between the lines or look really, really close at what, what somebody needs, how somebody needs help. Just like Jesus was persistent when he heard that man call and ask for help, he told the others to bring him forward, to come for, for him to come forward so he could heal him. So this week, that's our challenge, to look for people that need help. And, and they may not be obvious to you, but kind of look and see how, how they need our help. Let's say a prayer. Our dear Lord and most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day that you have given us. Please open our eyes to the opportunities that we have today and the rest of the week. And forever for those people that may be hurting, may need our assistance. And even though they're right in front of us, we may not see their needs. Please guide us, direct us, and these things we ask in your name. Amen. Thank you for everything we have, and that should be a reminder you are with us always. Please put your hand on those today that are sick, those that are hungry, those that are homeless, and give them some comfort today. Bless these tithes and offerings, and do what you will. Amen. Amen.
Our scripture today comes from Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. They came to Jericho as he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho. Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. Throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus, Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. And Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. This is the word of the Lord. Aren't you glad that God can make something beautiful out of our lives? For some of us, that's the only hope we have, right? (laughs) A man named um, Charlie Boswell was blinded during World War II while rescuing a a buddy from a burning tank. And Charlie had always been a, a great athlete. And so after the war, he took up golf. And he was pretty good at it, too, amazingly good at it. In fact, Charlie won the National Blind Golf Championship 16 times, once scoring a a score of 81. I'd love to shoot an 81. Well, in 1958, Charlie went to Fort Worth, Texas to receive the coveted Ben Hogan Award in honor of uh, one of the greatest golfers in history. And Mr. Hogan agreed to play around with Charlie, and Charlie said, Well, would you like to play for money? And Hogan said, No, that wouldn't be fair. But Charlie persisted. He said, Oh, come on, Mr. Hogan, are you afraid to play a blind golfer? Well... Ben Hogan was a pretty competitive guy, and so he finally said, "Okay, I'll I'll pay you. I'll play you for money. How much?" And so Boswell said, "Well, how about a thousand dollars a hole?" Well, Hogan said, "That's a lot of money. How many strokes do you want to give me?" And Boswell said, "No strokes. I'll play you straight up." And so Hogan said, "Charlie, I can't do that. What what would people think of me taking advantage of a blind man like that?" And so Boswell smiled and he said, Don't worry, Mr. Hogan. Our tea time's tonight at midnight. (laughs) 
Charlie Boswell was a remarkable man, and he didn't allow his disability to deter him from living a fulfilled life. And, and today we want to talk about another remarkable man who was also blind. Mark calls him Bartimaeus. The story takes place just outside of Jericho. Jesus and his disciples were making their way to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. Mobs of people were headed towards Jerusalem to celebrate this important event. Jericho was just a few miles from, from Jerusalem, which meant that the streets of Jericho were filled with people on their way to the holy city. And this was important to Bartimaeus because, you see, these were primitive times. And through no fault of his own, Bartimaeus was a beggar. The crowds in the street meant that he might receive a a larger amount of money than he normally received. And this was important because... There were no government programs to aid blind people in those days. And so unless he had family members to look after him, life could be very cruel. Now, there are a lot of people in our society today who have severe disabilities, and yet they're they're quite productive in their lives. We discussed one of these people last week, the amazing Stephen Hawking. And our own Lou Anne Steele's husband was blind, and she told me about how that did not stop him from doing just about anything, including getting up on the roof of a house and, and re-roofing a building while people are thinking he's, he's about to fall off. The only thing that people like that want is a, an opportunity to be productive. And if Bartimaeus were alive today, I believe that he would have been one of those people who wants to be productive in his life. But unfortunately, in the day in which he lived, opportunities for work, for blind people, basically just did not exist. And so he was relegated to begging on the streets. Well, at least on the day our story takes place, the streets were filled with many people giving Bartimaeus the opportunity to receive more than the paltry amount that he normally received. But little did Bartimaeus realize that this would not be a normal day. You see, an itinerant preacher was passing through Jericho that day near where Bartimaeus was begging. His name was Jesus. And it seems that Jesus' reputation had spread to Jericho because Mark tells us that as soon as, as Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus passing by, he began to shout out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy upon me. Somehow he knew enough about Jesus to know that he was of the house and lineage of David and that Jesus could help him. Obviously, he had already heard about this man, Jesus. Maybe Bartimaeus was already a believer that this, this Jesus really was the Messiah. But regardless of any, any of that, he must have really been creating quite a ruckus, shouting out to Jesus, because his shouting made those around him feel uncomfortable. And so they rebuked Bartimaeus and told him to be quiet. But he would not be silenced. He shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And then something dramatic happened. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And so they called to Bartimaeus, Cheer up. Get on your feet. He's calling for you. And then Bartimaeus did something unusual. Mark tells us that, that throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. Now I want you to think about that for a minute. For a blind man on a crowded street to throw his cloak aside, that's pretty risky, isn't it? What if he couldn't retrieve it? This, his cloak was important to him. This cloak may have been the most, the most important thing he owned. It may have been the only thing he owned. He depended upon this cloak to allow him to come out into the streets during wintertime to, to, to beg. And, and his cloak provided him with the only cover that he had to sleep under at night. Could it be that Bartimaeus had enough belief in Jesus that he, he knew that he would be healed and he would, find, uh, he would have no problem finding that cloak again? 
Or maybe he was just so enthusiastic about Jesus calling for him that he, he just acted without thinking. I don't know. So he came to Jesus, and Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus said, Rabbi, I want to see. I want to see. Now I want you to notice something. As extraordinary as this request was, Bartimaeus was not really asking for anything beyond what you and I take for granted. Right? We see. We see, and we take that for granted. He, he, all he wanted was for his eyes to work properly. This wasn't like one of those rub the magic lamp genie things and you get your three wishes. I want a billion dollars and live a, a cushy life in a mansion and, and, and meet the woman of my dreams. That's not what this is all about. All he wanted was the opportunity to be able to see so that he could find a job and enjoy the beauties of life that everybody else enjoys. Pretty basic when you think about it. Well, Jesus knew the kind of man that Bartimaeus was, and so he granted Bartimaeus' request. Go. Your faith has healed you. And Mark tells us that immediately Bartimaeus received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. There are several things about Bartimaeus' story that jump out at us. The first is that Bartimaeus was obviously disadvantaged. And there are a lot of great people who have fallen into this category, but, but Bob, Bartimaeus was probably not only dis, disadvantaged by virtue of the fact of his disability that he was blind, but he was also disadvantaged because he was made to feel rejected. Even his name, Bartimaeus. You know what it means? It just means the son of Timaeus. Timaeus' son. We don't even know what his given name was. He, he wasn't important enough for them to call him by anything except Timaeus' boy. And do you think the religious people of his day brought him any comfort for his feelings of rejection? No. Probably not. As you know from your reading of the New Testament, there were a lot of people in those days who believed that a physical disability was a punishment from God. And in their ignorance and in their superstition, they believed that someone surely must have sinned if a child was born blind. How many hearts have been broken because of someone's outrageous interpretation of adversity? And I'm sure that Bartimaeus had to put up with a lot of that atrocious theology that led to an even deeper sense of rejection. He was blind. He was a beggar. He was a social outcast. And his, his situation was, was kind of like a lost cat that I heard about. Somebody found this, this cat and cat kind of took up with them, and so they put an ad in the paper to find the owners of this cat, and, and here's how they describe the cat in their advertisement. Found kitten with white paws and bib, very affectionate, answers to the name, go away. <laughs> I see some of you have found that cat before. <laughs> it just won't go away. Well, I like that. Go away. And I wonder if there were times when Bartimaeus felt that his name was go away. We don't want to deal with you. I mean, think about it. How many of us enjoy being approached by someone begging on the streets? Hmm? Most of us don't like that. When we drive up to an intersection and encounter someone holding a sign asking for money, most of us try to avoid making eye contact, don't we? It makes us too uncomfortable. We don't know how to respond, and so it's just easier to just keep on going. 
Bartimaeus was disadvantaged. And to a certain extent, all of us are. We all have our shortcomings. They may not be physical like Bartimaeus, but we, have, we all have our issues. But let's look at something else. Bartimaeus was disadvantaged, but he would not be defeated. When Jesus came along, um, Bartimaeus started shouting, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And, and when, Jesus, when Jesus called for him, he threw off his cloak and he jumped to his feet. And I, like, I really like that picture of a, a blind man leaping in anticipation. He was disadvantaged, but he would not be defeated. He was not going to let people tell him to be quiet. He would not be silenced. And when he saw the opportunity for healing, he literally jumped at it. He wasn't like the rich young ruler who came to Jesus asking, What must I do to be saved? And he, was, and he turned away sorrowfully because Jesus told him that he would make it, have to make a choice between his wealth and following Jesus. Neither was Bartimaeus like the man beside the pool of Bethesda who, 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 when Jesus asked him if he really wanted to be healed, started making excuses for his situation. Bartimaeus wanted to see. And he was willing to pay any price to achieve that goal. He would not be defeated. And what a difference that kind of attitude makes in a life. I thank God for the Bartimaeuses of this world who will not be denied by their circumstances. I read recently about the building of the famous Brooklyn Bridge in New York City. It was an engineering marvel. It was completed in 1883 and is known for its granite towers and its steel cables. It took over 14 years to build it. At least two dozen people died during the process, including its original designer. The designer of uh, the Brooklyn Bridge was an engineer named John Roebling. And when Roebling came up with the idea of building this massive suspension bridge over the East River between the, the boroughs of Manhattan and Brooklyn, everybody thought he was crazy. But John and his son Washington was out, set out to prove them wrong. But after only one year of construction, John was killed in a ferry accident. And so this left his son, Washington, who was an inexperienced engineer, to be in charge of this huge project. But that was just one of the tragedies that the Roblings experienced. Because you see, since part of the bridge was being built under the water, a lot of the workers began to suffer from decompression sickness due to the difference in the pressure below the water and above it. In fact, Washington himself suffered from this condition and to the extent that he became paralyzed and he couldn't hear and he was mute. Can you imagine what this would have been like? But that wasn't going to stop him from building his father's bridge to seeing his, from seeing his, his father's dream come true. He was only able to move one finger. And, and so Washington devised a system by which he would tap his, his wife's arm to communicate with her with that one finger. And he continued to direct the construction of the bridge from his bed giving instructions to his wife, who then passed them on to the construction crew. Larry, how would you like to build a house like that? (laughs) For the next 11 years, Washington continued to work this way. Until 1983, when the Brooklyn Bridge was finally completed and opened for use. And what a success it was. And today, 135 years later, the Brooklyn Bridge carries more than 150,000 people every day to their destination. You have to admire anyone who through faith and determination refuses to be defeated. Blind Bartimaeus was one of those people. He was disadvantaged, but he refused to be defeated. And, and he was rewarded 
for his determination. Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus said, Master, I want to see. And so Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. What a wonderful gift Jesus gave to him. You know, you and I take our vision for for granted, don't we? But we shouldn't. The gift of sight is one of the most precious gifts that God has given to us. James Craft, in his book, Adventure in Jade, tells about a turning point in his life. He was 14 years old at the time. One of a family of, of 11 children living in a farm in Canada. But because of his extreme nearsightedness, he couldn't distinguish objects very clearly. Um, and just as discouraging, because of his nearsightedness, he also suffered from debilitating he- headaches. But in the providence of God, there was an eye doctor vacationing near James's home, and and young James began taking care of this eye doctor's horse and buggy. And <coughs> the eye doctor noticed James's nearsightedness and insisted that the boy go with him into the city and be fitted with a pair of glasses as his gift. And so James did. And here's how he described that gift of improved vision. He said, the eye, he said of the eye doctor, He gave me the earth and all that was in it, completely in focus and beautiful beyond anything I could have dreamed. I cannot think of another act of human kindness in my lifetime that can compare to this. Well, I'm sure that Bartimaeus would have known exactly how young James felt. His world was totally dark when Jesus gave him the gift of sight. And what was his response to that? He became a follower of Jesus. Listen to the last few words in our story. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately Bartimaeus received his sight and followed him along the way. Do you hear that? Bartimaeus became a follower of Jesus Christ. And how could he do anything else? All of his life, Bartimaeus had been blind. And and finally, this man Jesus had set him free from that. He could see for the first time in his life. And what, what greater gift could Jesus give to him? And so, in deep, extreme gratitude... Bartimaeus became a follower. Fanny Crosby, the great hymn writer, lost her sight when she was a child, but in many ways she was able to see things that you and I can't see. And a lot of people believe that it was this story of blind Bartimaeus that inspired her to write that beloved hymn, Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry, while on on others thou art calling. Do not pass me by. It's a wonderful hymn. But here's what we need to know, folks. Christ will not pass us by if we are seeking Him. He sees our need, whatever those needs may be. And and we know that Bartimaeus was disadvantaged, but he would not be defeated. He came to Jesus and Jesus healed him. And because of that, he became a follower. I just hope that we may be able to see what Bartimaeus was able to see. That Jesus is the giver of every good gift in life. And I hope that we are as wise as Bartimaeus was wise. May we too respond to Jesus with great gratitude. And may we follow Jesus all of the days of our lives. Amen. We have been singing today songs from uh, Bill and Gloria Gaither and uh, in our trek through the history of, of church music and wonderful songs they are. So let us sing our closing hymn together today, Come Holy Spirit.
God, as you called for blind Bartimaeus to come to you, you have called upon us to do the same. We have come and we have felt your mercy. As we leave this place, heighten our senses that we may see the needs of those on the side of the road that most people would ignore. And that we may respond as you did with compassion. Open our eyes that we may see those who are pushed off to the margins of society, barely hanging on to survival. Open our ears, O God, that we may hear the plea of those calling for help. We want to see, O God, so that we may be your healing hands. Open the eyes of our hearts that we may love as you love us. Amen. Thank you.